0: Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your
1: host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. I'm broadcasting today from Clinton, Iowa, working with our affiliate here, KCLN. I'll be hosting and moderating a uh, ag roundtable that they're putting on this afternoon looking forward to that talking agriculture with iowa leaders that'll be coming up uh, this afternoon here in clinton iowa but today we have a busy program we're going to talk about the waters of the u.s Get the very latest on that don Parrish with the american farm bureau federation will join us we'll get another harvest update this one from illinois david erickson farms in the galesburg illinois area we'll get a harvest update from him he's just getting underway with his harvest and of course uh, we continue to watch what's happening um, in uh, the Carolinas and that part of the country and moving up the East Coast, uh, uh, the remnants of Hurricane Florence, and especially in the state of North Carolina, where much of the attention has been, they are now assessing the damage, and we will talk... Uh, with the president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau, Larry Wooten, who's out on a tour actually assessing that damage today. He's going to check in with us a little bit later on in the program. But joining us right now, and at first I should mention, of course, uh, in the news today, the president putting more tariffs on China, also threatening more retaliation. If China strikes back at our farmers, we'll be keeping a close watch On that. But joining us now is Mike North. He is a commodity market analyst and president of the Wisconsin Dairy Business Association. Mike, thanks for joining us on Adams on Agriculture.
2: Good to be with you, Mike.
1: I saw a note, uh, which is what made me think of you and, and get in touch with you, but I saw a note where Wisconsin lost 47. 47 dairy farms in the month of August. Uh, tell us about the, the, the situation in the state of Wisconsin. We think of it, of course, as the dairy state, but uh, a lot of dairy producers going through some very difficult times right now.
2: And that's probably an understatement in some cases. The reality is is that uh, the economic pressures that have been felt from uh, a elevating uh, cost of production and a lower uh Milk price, and specifically in Wisconsin, a lower milk price, not just in the Class Three market, but also the compression of the over-class premiums that are paid out uh, in the milk check. Um, in many cases, uh, the premiums that are paid to the farms above and beyond Class Three have dropped by one to two dollars a hundredweight. Um, that combination of factors has really put stress on farms, and. Um, It has uh, advanced the uh, progression of farms leaving the space, Uh, but, you know, there are two farms have been leaving the space, you know, for decades. It's been part of a a trend that's been ongoing, but this year it's it's certainly been uh, accelerated some.
1: Mike, it, oftentimes when we see farmland go on the market, other farmers will buy the farmland. When a, dairy operation, when, when a dairy operator decides to, uh, to go out of business, uh, does someone else take over that operation or does it just go idle then?
2: It goes idle and if you look around the Wisconsin landscape, and this is true of other states in the Midwest too, you know, the little red barns are all over and empty. And, you know, that is changing a little bit. Now it might be, you know, the Little Red Barn with uh, a 100-cow addition on it or maybe even a smaller two to 300-cow parlor operation. Um, you know, the, the reality is, is in this particular moment, size uh, does not uh, provide you uh, any sort of uh, extra flotation, so to speak, uh, in this market. It, uh, it's been tough on everybody
1: and not only tough on on current producers but i would think this would certainly have an impact on young people looking at possibly being in the dairy business uh, moving forward
2: oh there's no question anytime you come through a time like this it it pushes that uh average age further up the ladder not just because the farmers are getting older but because the young people aren't coming in. And that is going to be something that we'll see for a while now until things get better again.
1: Now, we have uh, we had changes made to the uh, Dairy Margin Protection Program. There's a new revenue insurance uh, uh, program now available. Are those helping? Um,
2: you know, the Margin Protection Program... By some of its alterations has become a bit more viable. There's no question about that. Um, the challenge with uh you know that particular program is it does a good job on the first five million pounds of production so if you're a much larger operation you don't get to see the benefit of that uh as as you go beyond some of those uh beyond that first five million pounds of, of milk um, the new product that's come out hasn't been released yet we don't know how that is going to be priced uh from the standpoint of how much it's going to cost the producer so we're not sure exactly how good that is but there are elements of that of that product that uh make it probably the best alternative in terms of a government issued product uh that's out there so we're still waiting to see what the pricing looks like we're going to be selling that from our office here uh but end of day uh we're not sure you know, what the pricing is to know exactly how viable uh, that, that tool will be.
1: And, of course, we continue to watch the NAFTA negotiations, and especially with Canada, dairy still a sticking point. How critical is that for the uh, future of the dairy industry?
2: I'd say the trade discussion is the the most critical piece right now. Let's face the facts. The reason prices are compressed is because we've lost some key markets, uh, Canada and China among them. I would have m- mentioned Mexico, but it looks like we've got a deal struck with them. Uh, bottom line is, is, if you look at our top four customers, if you will, uh, in the dairy industry. Number one was Mexico. Number two was a conglomeration of uh, Southeast Asian countries. Number three was China. Number four is Canada. And so when you look at um, these particular nations, their trade with us is critical, critical, because if, if you stop and think about it, we exports about 16 to 17% of all of the milk that's raised here. So as you talk about milk, it's a very perishable commodity. If we start seeing pushback from our top export customers, then that milk works its way backwards into the domestic market and because of the perishability of the product there is no extended shelf life that we can enjoy and just put all of this in storage and wait for a better day it needs to be consumed that ultimately pressures the product prices in the stores the product prices that are reported to the government every week are the very foundation for the milk price that's set and paid to the farmer. So if you follow the chain all the way through, the reality of this trade discussion is is huge for our markets, has massive gravity in the price conversation.
1: Yep, that's what's at stake for sure. Mike, thank you for the update. Good to talk with you.
2: My pleasure, Mike. Take care.
1: Take care. Mike North, uh, commodity analyst, also president of the Wisconsin Dairy Business Association, talking about uh, the real... uh, issues the struggles right now the challenges in the dairy industry and uh, as we said in Wisconsin that state lost 47 dairy farms just in the month of August all right coming up next an update on waters of the U.S. Don Parrish with the American Farm Bureau Federation joins us next on AOA Adams on Agriculture
4: When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover tar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. I live alone, so when I slipped and fell in the kitchen last month and couldn't get to a phone, that's when I knew I needed life alert. With just one press of this button, I'm connected to the Life Alert Center, where I can get the help I need, even when I cannot reach a phone. With Life Alert, I'm never alone.
0: For a free Life Alert brochure, call 800-981-2126. That's 800-981-2126. Call now at 800-981-2126 to get a free brochure. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams
3: on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams.
1: Welcome back, broadcasting today from Clinton, Iowa, working with our affiliate KCLN. Folks hear us on KCLN here in this area, and we appreciate all of our uh, very fine uh, affiliates that carry Adams on Agriculture. I'll be uh, moderating, moderating a panel discussing ag issues with Iowa ag leaders this afternoon. Looking forward to that. Well, joining us now is Don Parrish with the American Farm Bureau Federation. He keeps us up to date on the ongoing battle to uh, get rid of the uh, old waters of the U.S. rule and get a new one in place. Don, thanks for joining us. Uh, there have been a few um, few things happen here recently. Can you bring us up to date on WOTUS?
6: I can, Mike, and really appreciate the opportunity to uh, be on your program and, and give your Your listeners an update um i guess the first thing i would say is the the ability of the courts to put a a preliminary injunction and and it is a temporary injunction on three additional states is kind of the big news Uh, the south texas judge uh, ruled that texas louisiana and mississippi uh shouldn't be implementing the 2015 voters rule And we're also seeing, as a result of that ruling, other courts get up to speed. I think there's one in Oklahoma that's going to be uh, looking at whether to put in a partial or a larger uh, injunction. And we're also looking for a court in Ohio to be looking at at expanding the the injunction to prevent the 2015 rule from going into effect.
1: Why is it so piecemeal? Why can't we just get one uh, ruling for the whole country?
6: Mike, that's a really good question. Uh, we're, we're sitting in a spot right now where you've got a lot of, of district court judges really contemplating whether or not to extend this nationwide. What we know and what we're hoping is that one of these judges before long understands that every court that has looked at this, uh, the merits of the 2015 regulation, has found that it's been illegal. And we're hoping that they understand that not only for the states that are directly challenging them, them, some of the attorney generals from those states, but also industries like the American Farm Bureau Federation that have members in every state, and that also have members that operate in states with injunctions and with states without injunctions, uh, we hope that they understand that this is a huge impact on the economy. But uh, getting a judge to kind of understand, and I think judges understand that, but just having them go to the extent of of putting a nationwide stay in place is uh is a fairly large reach and a pretty good lift and um you know we're struggling to to make sure that we get a judge to do that
1: well and it's kind of a two-front battle here in that trying to get rid of the old rule but also get a new rule uh ready to go to put in its place where do we stand with that
6: Well, I know that for a fact that the administration is working very hard on this. Uh, I've had an opportunity to listen and hear uh, uh, Acting Administrator Wheeler indicate that this is his number one priority, is getting a new rule out. Uh, They are working very diligently to do that. Uh, I know a number of people have visited with the Office of Management and Budget who manage the interagency review process, and we're hopeful that they are very near either to repeal this rule or to put out a new rule that would replace this 2015 rule very soon.
1: I remember you and I talking right after the election, uh, because that was one of the things uh, President Trump or then-candidate Trump had talked about during the campaign, that this would be one of the things he would do, get rid of WOTUS. And you cautioned us all at that time that this would be a process and perhaps a lengthy process, and that is certainly, uh, we're seeing that come true.
6: We are, and we're seeing a lot of moving parts. Uh, we're very hopeful that 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 we see this rule go away very quickly. Uh, we've had a number of people, a number of farmers that are either seeking permits or in the process of doing projects that are going to require permits, go into some of these some of these states and some of these core districts that are going to have to apply the 2015 rule. And the word we're getting back is, is they understand that the 2015 rule is going away, and they're very reluctant. The core districts as well as farmers are very reluctant to be asking for permits under this, under this, under this requirement. So it is going to take time. Uh, a lot of people know that this rule is going away, but you know, rest assured that I think this administration is doing everything they can to provide consistency across state lines, consistency among core districts. And they understand that this could have a huge impact on the economy as well because, you know, businesses operate across state lines. So we're gonna do everything possible. Uh, I can, you can rest assured that Farm Bureau's got our members back here. We're gonna do everything we can to uh, prevent this rule from hurting farmers and ranchers the way we know that it would hurt. So, um, you know, we're doing all we can at this point.
1: As we have talked about before, it's not just agriculture that opposes this rule and wants it uh, to go away. There are a lot of other segments of uh, the economy and businesses, businesses and industries as well. But are there actually groups out there supportive of the 2015 rule?
6: Um you know, that may be a stretch. I do think some of the environmental community that, that would like to see the federal government get into uh, making land use or local land use decisions, I think some of those groups would like to see um, see the rule go into effect. They also have kind of an ulterior motive. They want to be able to have in the back, their back pocket the ability to sue to stop people from using their property. And, and you know, that creates you know that possible. This rule, the 2015 rule, creates that possibility. Unfortunately, uh, for them, I think we've already found out from the courts that this rule is going to be ruled illegal. It doesn't comply with what Congress uh, intended when they when they passed the Clean Water Act, and I think there's some constitutional issues that are very problematic for them. So I think everybody recognizes it's going away, even though some people uh, in that area would would really like to see it remain in place.
1: We're talking with Don Parrish with the American Farm Bureau Federation and looking at the, uh, the situation with Waters of the U.S., the 2015 rule and the, all the court rulings that are going on and efforts to replace it. Don, is there any kind of timetable on this, or do you just we seem to just get these random uh, court decisions, uh, rulings by judges in different parts of the country? So, I mean, do you know that those are coming, or do they just kind of pop up uh, according to the, uh, the schedule of, of that particular judge in that court?
6: Well, we know that, that there, are, uh, there are ongoing litigation, and we know that those, you know, in the case of the, you know, a, a new case that is getting started or re- getting uh, an old case that is getting started up anew in Oklahoma, as well as the case in Ohio that involves uh, Tennessee, Ohio, and, and Michigan, we know that they, they file for injunctions, and we know that they file for injunctions that extend beyond the states that, that they're in. So uh, it's really on the judge's time as to when he rules. Uh, there, are, there are briefs and arguments that are sometimes made in those cases. So it takes time to kind of walk through all of the process that the court requires, but we're very hopeful that we're going to see some additional uh, injunctions put on the 2015 rule and we're going and we're also hope, hopeful that this administration you know gets its work done and gets a new rule, proposed and then the old one repealed
1: i know this is something you can't cannot give a definitive answer to but let's hypothetically if things moved along best case scenario how quickly could this play out that we'd be rid of the 2015 rule and have a new one in place
6: holy cow that is a hard uh, a hard speculation i i I feel more comfortable in talking about kind of a short-term goal is that i would hope very soon you know, and very soon, in, in regulatory speak is probably in the next two to three months, we're going to see a proposal to, to replace the 2015 motor rule. We're going to see a new proposal to comment on. And I have an idea that it's probably going to take most of next year for that process to play out. While that process is playing out, I do expect probably sometime right around the end of the year or the first of next year, uh, EPA move to withdraw the 2015 rule. And if they can make those two things happen, uh, you know, within the regulatory process, um, you know, we will, we will have started a process to obviously get rid of the 2015 rule, but yet put a new rule in place sometime in 2019.
1: I think back to the uh, last election, this was one of the top issues farmers had going into that election. And, uh, you know, President Trump, one of the things he campaigned on was getting rid of the waters of the U.S. rule. Uh, and so here we are, still discussing it now. It's it's been somewhat overshadowed by some of the other news, like uh, trade issues and things like that. But that does not make it any less important. It's still a critical issue.
6: Yes, it is. And and there's a lot of times that our elected officials they're 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 well-meaning, and they're they're you know we have to have their support for these types of things. But but the administrative process is is very intricate. It's very detailed. And, and I think most people think that they can just make rules go away, but we do have to go through a process mm-hmm. uh, to both put them into place and to repeal them when, when we, we think, you know, that they're wrong, other than, you know, a court finding right. them unlawful. So, you know, that's where we are, and it just takes time.
1: Well, thank you for the updates, and we'll stay in touch. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Mike. Don parish with the american farm bureau federation it is a lengthy process we're in to replace that 2015 WOTUS rule and get a new one in place well the uh, damage assessment going on now in north carolina from hurricane florence we're going to talk with the president of the north carolina farm bureau next on aoa adams on agriculture
3: time now for a market check here on Adams on agriculture i'm rusty Halverson from the american ag network president trump on monday said he will impose new tariffs on about two hundred billion dollars in chinese goods and threaten to add billions more the ten percent tax on chinese imports will take effect on monday and will rise to twenty five percent at the end of the year in its first soybean harvest report of the season usda estimated that six percent of the u.s. crop was in the bin as of Sunday, that was three points ahead of the five year average. Nine percent of the corn crop harvested as of Sunday nationwide. That's also three points ahead of the five-year average. The ag weather forecast, though, so, calling for variable Midwest harvest conditions this week. On the charts on Monday, December corn broke out to the downside. Corn bears retained the short-term technical edge, targets seen at 335.5, then and 329 and three-quarters. Those would be lows from December 2017 and July 2018, respectively. New crop November soybeans in overnight action touched 8 and a We have pierced that on the day trade, seeing a low of 8.15 and a quarter. First support on the weekly charts comes in at 8.10 and a half. Eight dollars would serve as a psychological objective for bean bears. In the wheats, we saw higher overnight trade, firm in the day trade 2, 2 to 4.5 cents higher. Chicago wheat, December up four and a half, five ten and three quarters of a cent. For livestock at the Merck, in lean hog futures, we're 75 to $2.47 higher in the nearbys. Flooding issues seen across the east coast following Florence. That's affecting pork processing schedules live cattle a dime to 65 lower 75 to a dollar 5 lower in feeder cattle you're listening to Adams on Agriculture presented by the American Ag Network I'm Rusty Halverson
5: Do you need a car been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit low credit no credit bankruptcy or divorce guess what today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car truck or SUV just about any vehicle it's true bad credit doesn't matter
0: information America's farmers and ranchers need to know Adams on agriculture now back to Mike Adams
1: and welcome back of course uh, now uh, damage assessment going on in states like North Carolina following Hurricane Florence and uh, we hope to hear from Larry Wooten president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau He is uh, going to try to call in, if he can, that he is actually out on an assessment tour as we speak, uh, checking on the damage uh, throughout the state of North Carolina. So if he can, and if he's in a place where they have a cell signal, he will be uh, calling in and joining us with an update. We can tell you that North Carolina officials are monitoring swine waste lagoons that were overrun or threatened by the floodwaters from uh, Hurricane Florence. More than 30 inches of rain in parts of the state, rivers continue to overflow there, and environmental and uh, uh, other officials are warning that the bacteria-filled waste from those lagoons could. Contaminate water supply, but the local pork groups, though, are saying that the risks, the safety risks, are are uh, overstated, and uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that situation. Um, the North Carolina Pork Council says four lagoons had been flooded, and that one breach uh, mentioned was on a small farm, where an on-site inspection showed that solids remained in the lagoon. So they are keeping a close watch on that situation in North Carolina. Uh, Environmentalists uh, also working to survey the damage, and a number of groups there are keeping an eye on that situation. Uh, Pork producers in North Carolina uh, were better prepared uh, for this storm than they have been for some in the past, Uh, but uh, they still remain in the... Uh, the state's floodplains so they are at risk in a situation like this but certainly a lot of steps were taken to prevent uh, any spills or other problems and uh, they did as much as they could do ahead of time now it would be a little- be assessing to see just how successful they were in containing any uh, potential spills or problem areas. Of course, a lot of other damage done with crops and and infrastructure. And so, as we look at it from an agricultural standpoint, it's going to take a while for them to uh, fully assess the situation, get a handle on it. And uh, of course, anytime you have a major Uh, disaster like this uh, the recovery is going to be a long one and uh, again our thoughts and prayers with all the folks in North Carolina and we will be as we go forward we'll try to keep you updated on the assessment situation and the recovery efforts in the state of North Carolina again we hope to hear from the president of the North Carolina Farm Bureau Larry Wooten but uh, we know he's out on one of those assessment tours right now and may not be able to join us again depending on his uh, situation where he's at and uh, the also the availability of a, of a cell phone signal. Meanwhile I also want to mention what's going on with the Farm Bill and that doesn't seem to be too much as far as in the way of progress. Uh, things seem to be uh, really at an impasse right now. And Senate Ag Committee Chair Pat Roberts and Ranking Member Debbie Stabenow uh, telling reporters that they haven't had any major breakthroughs as they head into uh, the crucial period for trying to get this done by the end of the month. The so-called Big Four, and that's Robert Stabenow on the Senate side and Conway and Peterson on the House side, uh, still haven't worked out if they will be able to meet in person this week or not. House Ag Committee Chair Conway is in Washington, even though the House is off this week, but it's not uh, known at this time if all four will be able to uh, uh, get together and work on it or not this week. Now the current law expires at the end of the month, but we have uh, been saying uh, repeatedly that that's not a hard deadline. Of course, the end of the year is more of the hard deadline. So um, we'll see, uh, I think a lot of people, about everyone wanted to see it done this month, but th- that just may not be a reality. At this point, of course, even uh, the president, who's been weighing in on this, uh, would I'm sure like to see it done before the November elections. Uh, But he's also pushing to get the worker requirements in the SNAP program, and that continues to be a huge issue. Stabenow, Senator Stabenow, suggesting that there's still little agreement on uh, the uh, big issues such as SNAP. Uh, said there's also just very different views on how farm programs should look, how conservation programs should look, how food assistance programs should look, how energy programs should look, and there's just a lot of big differences. But she says they have not stopped working. So after all this time and after all this discussion, they really are right back where they started from, and they've not had the many uh, breakthroughs on this key on these key issues chairman roberts said while progress has been made on the commodity and conservation titles the real big issue continues to be snap and he said to date at least i've not been ingenious enough to come up with something that will work but as this draws down to this final week we've got to come to some agreement so well, wow, that agreement still seems to be Uh, very, very elusive. On the trade front, uh, the President last night putting tariffs on an additional $200 billion worth of Chinese goods and that just ramps up the the trade dispute between the two countries. The U.S. will impose a 10% duty on the goods starting September 24th and then raise the rate to 25% January 1st. The President also said that if China takes retaliatory action against our farmers or other industries, we will immediately pursue phase three, which would be tariffs on approximately $267 billion of additional imports. That's according to a statement made by the president. And the administration now has issued tariffs on more than $250 billion in Chinese goods overall. Another $267 billion would cover pretty much all Chinese exports to the U.S. Now, Beijing has said they will retaliate by imposing tariffs on an additional $60 billion worth of U.S. US exports and would target more than 5,200 types of goods like honey and liquefied natural gas. That would bring that total to $113 billion. So... I mean, the numbers are getting staggering as this goes back and forth, and this is what happens when you get into these situations. They tend to escalate uh, as you go along, neither side wanting to look like they are backing down. Now, National Economic Council Director Larry Kudlow said yesterday that the president has been unhappy with previous rounds of trade talks with China, but that U.S. officials are still ready to, to talk as long as he says it's going to be a serious discussion and um, the president did leave the door open to talks with the Chinese president, hoping to resolve the uh, the issue. But, however, this latest round uh, would seem to make that uh, less likely, at least in the immediate future. And uh, political reporting that uh, um, China will probably cancel its plans to send uh, the Chinese president's top economic advisor to Washington because of this latest Tariff action. Now, officially, China has vowed to take countermeasures without specifying what it will do next, and uh, the U.S. Um, continues to put on these uh, tariffs, and the uh, China Commerce Ministry says uh, it is hoping that the U.S. will recognize the possible negative consequences of such actions and take convincing means to correct them in a timely manner. But that, uh, wow. Right now, it seems like it's getting worse rather than better. Now, also on the trade front, we're keeping an eye on NAFTA. What's going on there? Canadian Foreign Minister Freeland returns to Washington this week to resume uh, talks over a new NAFTA deal. Meanwhile, the uh, representatives of U.S. Ag and Mexico are looking over the details of that bilateral deal that could potentially replace NAFTA if uh, the Canada deal falls through if they can't get canada back in so uh you know mexico and the u.s continuing to push on that to get that deal done and in hopes that that brings canada into the pack but so far it hasn't happened yet even though there's still talks going on and dairy, as we said earlier dairy continues to be a huge sticking point in getting canada into back into the nafta agreement so that's where we stand on those issues. I mean, it seems like we've been talking about this for some time now, and we have been, and um, it seems like it's maybe one step forward and two back on a lot of these issues. So it, it is indeed frustrating that uh, we've not been able to have any breakthroughs yet, but we will uh, we'll keep you updated as the talks continue. All right, so evidently we're not going to be able to check in with Larry Wooten uh, with the North Carolina Farm Bureau We'll keep trying with him and maybe get him on another day this week as they gather more information in that state uh, hurricane damage from Florence. And uh, we'll try to get him on at some point this week uh, when his schedule will allow. Well, Harvest continues. I mean, while they're assessing uh, flooding and uh, all the hurricane damage there in North Carolina and the states along the East Coast, here in the Midwest, uh, the harvest weather continues to be very good. I know driving up through Illinois and here into uh, up to Clinton, Iowa, last night, and just so much harvesting going on in some areas as I was coming up through Illinois. They're really just getting started, such as in that Galesburg, Illinois area. Uh, they're just really getting into the fields there, and we're going to talk with an Illinois farmer in that area, David Erickson, past vice president of the Illinois Farm Bureau. He's going to be joining us next to give us an update Uh, on uh, the harvest progress on his farm and in his area. I talked with David yesterday. He said they were just getting started yesterday, so we'll see how much they got done yesterday and what they're able to get going today and uh, some of those early results coming in from uh, the state of Illinois and around the country as Harvest uh, 18 rolls on. All right, so stay with us. We'll get that harvest update coming up next. And just wanted to make uh, also a note coming up tomorrow Uh, We're going to talk with the new CEO of the National Corn Growers Association. They have named John Doggett as the new CEO of National Corn, and we'll be having him on with us tomorrow. But we're going to talk corn harvest as well as bean harvest coming up next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture, broadcasting today from Clinton, Iowa. Stay with us.
4: When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80's cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council.
0: Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538. Immediately, that's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and give you their feedback if they like what they read they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at amazon the apple itunes store barnes and noble and other outlets they handle everything editing cover design copyright protection printing publicity and distribution so if you've written a novel children's book cookbook inspirational work poetry or a biography and want to get it published then you need to call page publishing and do it immediately Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon including free delivery, free chemicals and a cash discount.
5: Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth, as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger. That lip stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try power swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276.
0: powerful threat calls for a greater response when there's a battle bring strength when there's a problem seek answers when there is doubt give hope
2: not tomorrow not in a few years but
4: right now. Some battles must be faced together. Cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day. And you can be part of this battle too. Visit StandUpToCancer.org to learn more.
5: Together we can save lives. information
3: America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams.
1: Harvest 18 rolls on. Some areas are just really getting started, such such as the case around Galesburg, Illinois. David Erickson joins us now. David, I drove through your area yesterday and saw that the uh, farmers were just getting started. You tell me you got started yesterday, is that right?
7: That's right, Mike. Uh, We got started yesterday. I think there are a few people that Started um, all of late last week to start uh, just a little bit, and uh, you know some early soybeans coming out, and some um, you know I don't know 105 to 10-day corn I suppose coming out.
1: Well, how much did you get done yesterday? Did you get get a good start?
7: Yeah, uh, we did about 90 acres yesterday, um, so we got a nice start and um, everything worked. Knock on wood. So uh, that's all good. We're looking. We're having a good start for our second day here. We're doing corn harvest, and uh, it's um, about what we expected. It's maybe a little bit drier, uh, running between 20 and 21 percent on corn. uh, 110 day corn planted April 24th, and uh, looks to be in you know similar yields to what we had last year, which was uh, very good.
1: So, about what range on yields?
7: Um, the stuff that we did yesterday and today, it, it appears to be in the range of uh, two hundred and thirty to two hundred and forty. I don't have. We uh, store all of our corn here at home, so we don't have it shrunk uh, for sure. But uh, it appears it's going to be. Uh, I, I can say those numbers safely. It might be a little bit better.
1: Mm-hmm. And what are you hearing on some of those early bean yields? Have you heard anybody talking about them?
7: You know, I haven't gotten much uh, feedback on the early beans. When I say early, these probably were uh, 2.4 to 2.7 maturity beans, which is early even for our area, Mike, and they were beans that were planted, um, you know, there uh, last week of April. So, um, you know, on the early, early side, I'd say if those beans were good, we're looking at a pretty good bean crop i don't have any that fall into that category so we're probably still um maybe a short week away from uh, soybean harvest uh, for us
1: what kind of growing season did you have david
7: you know it was very good uh you know we uh, had that like others we had a late snow there that middle of uh april actually there was some corn planted before that uh corn uh, in our area here about the 14th of April, but we didn't plant any then, but as soon as the snow came off, everybody's talking about it's going to be a late spring, but uh, you know how it is, Mike, once <laughs> once the snow came off and it dried, all of a sudden everybody was in the field, and most people finished planting corn, you know, prior to the end of April, which is good in our area, and most soybeans were done by the end of the first week of May, which, again, is, uh, you know, um I'd say on the early side of normal for us, and then How's it your... appeared that we we had rains during the summer. I'm sorry, Mike. Uh, I paused there, but um, we did have rains in the summer on a pretty regular basis. No heavy rains, but never got extremely short of rain. Um, so we had we had pretty good uh, pretty good growing season.
1: How's your stock quality? Is it standing good?
7: You know, it is, Mike. So far it looks good, and I think part of that is that we did not have the heavy rains earlier in the summer that some people had. Certainly leaf uh, diseases, fungal diseases are are present, but um, I'd say for the most part, uh, corn looks to be in pretty good shape here.
1: Did you have uh, many challenges during the year as far as insects are concerned?
7: You know, we seem to have continual flushes of Japanese beetles. And I'd say the biggest hit by Japanese beetles was on ornamental trees and sweet corn. Um, some people, uh, you know, their small sweet corn patch or part of their sweet corn uh, patch uh, was nearly decimated by Japanese beetles. Um, but for the most part, I think field corn was saved from that Um Soybean, not a lot of insect pressure, but plenty of uh, variety of insects. But I think overall pretty healthy uh, on both crops.
1: What's the, the forecast look like for you? There's talk of rain coming in uh, to Illinois this week. Uh, what, what's in your forecast?
7: Yeah, we're, we've are we got a chance of rain starting uh, later today, but I think uh, the bulk of that rain is going to, going to be north of us. Um, we're about, um, what, 45 minutes southeast of the Quad Cities. It appears that uh, that rain is going to get to the Quad Cities this afternoon, and we may get some tonight. Uh, it looks like maybe tonight might be our best chance, but uh, no large amounts. They're talking about maybe three quarters to an, to an inch maybe at the most in our area over the next uh, three days. So all in all, not bad.
1: Hey, as you get ready to really get into your harvest, uh, I know you and I talk about this. We were on a program together not long ago talking about ag issues. Uh, uh, the news of the day, the Farm Bill talks seem to have really slowed down. Uh, there are more uh, tariffs being put on China. Uh, the NAFTA negotiations, uh, they're still going on. Uh, how concerned are you about all these things impacting uh, uh, your farm and your, uh, your income as you're getting ready to go to harvest?
7: Well, I think that all those things that you just described Mike, have, uh, you know, an overshadowing impact on the marketplace. To the ex- to what extent, I'm not exactly sure. I'm not sure that anyone is sure, but a combination of large crops, um, a series of large crops, um, some trade disruption, um, you know, some questions on the farm bill. Although I would say that most of the discussion on the Farm Bill appears to be centered about uh, timing and some um, nutrition issues, not much about crop insurance, uh, those key risk management areas that are important to row crop agriculture. So I think the Farm Bill thing will happen. I don't know that it's quite on the schedule that we thought, uh, but certainly all those things combined, you know, make right. for a cloudy overcast forecast. So um, we're, we're going to hope that some of those things start to become positive one at a time and uh, we can work our way out of these harvest lows, which I think many of us anticipated, um, you know, some harvest lows on corn and soybeans in particular because of the large uh, crop this year and, and series of large crops as we run along.
1: Well, David, have a good uh, harvest, and we hope to have some good news on those other fronts too. Thanks a lot
7: yeah thanks so much mike you have a good day
1: okay i'll check back in with you when you get further into harvest then david erickson Hi. from the, the galesburg illinois area well we did hear back from larry wooten north carolina farm bureau president he was on a conference call with the governor so i think we'll we well we'll excuse him for that we'll get back with him later in the week thanks for joining us
4: it's not just storing grain it's storing quality at fs quality isn't just a promise it's a statement Our grain systems experts stay focused on what's ahead by providing state-of-the-art grain systems that protect grain quality in the bin, along with larger capacity bins that keep us moving forward. We're always looking for ways to optimize operations and ensure our customers are ready for what's next. So visit fsystem.com and let's get you headed towards your next success. FS, bringing you what's next.